in their ever-present pursuit of entertainment, education, and some adjective to be named later. The Homestar Army proudly presents Trek West 5, a conglomerate podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, and pretty much whatever else we want to talk about. Trek West 5 is brought to you in part by RocketWebDesign.com, custom web design at template website prices. Designs by Dee.blogspot.com, your online home for all your digital scrapbooking needs. Need a home along the Wasatch Front? Contact Lisa DeBagere with Kirkham & Friends Real Estate. No one will work harder for your home. And thehomestarmy.com, blogging to the world since 2004. Your hosts for Trek West 5 are Joey and Peter. Good evening and welcome to Podcast 131. I am Peter. And I am Joey. <laughs> Take two. <laughs> Look. It's Thursday night, not Friday. Right. We're, we're, we're a little bit discombobulated here. Oh, man. <laughs> this is going to be a long night. And I don't even have the benefit of it being Friday so that I can just crash the next nope, day. Nope, you got to get up and go to work tomorrow. Oh, man. Well, if you're listening to this, it's because we finally did it correctly. <laughs> and it's our second go-round. And, and if you're not listening to this, we totally understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, we goofed up. Uh, and so this is us retrying to record podcast 131. Um, we had we had a listener email that yes, you read. Listener email. But I still contend you read last week. I don't see how I could have. It didn't come in till the second when we posted the last podcast. Okay. I'm just I'm telling you you've read this email before. Okay. This is from listener JD. By the way, hey JD, how you doing, bud? Nice to see you. Um, he has a few things to say. Pretty upset. Uh, no, he's not. I'm not on Facebook anymore. I quit using it for big reasons, which aren't really important to talk about. I added that in there. I assume he was really enraged. Yeah, he wanted some shouting. Although he didn't capitalize anything. Or bold or I feel bad about that now. There was no reason for me to shout. That's why I haven't returned to the Trekless 5 Facebook group, and I hate Joey. So, yeah. I'm glad to hear it's going strong, though. Mark's nickname suggestion. Mark. I gotta say, that's a pretty boring nickname suggestion. You know, swinging for the fences on that one, J.D. Way to go. Uh, I think we may keep the nominations open for a little while still. <laughs> if we don't get anything, I'm going to name him Marky Mark. Oh, listener Marky Mark? Yes. And he'll have We'd an call entourage. Listener Wahlberg, at least. <laughs> he's not that cool. <laughs> so he's Marky Mark before Marky he Mark. became Wahlberg. Okay. <laughs> uh, moving on. I just alienated <laughs> Mark. He was. He actually liked me of the of the the podcast. He thought I was your first one. fan. Yeah. Um, As we know, all the other listeners are fans of of me. <laughs> <laughs> Did either of you see John Carter? No. No. Um, what would have been interesting is if we would have answered differently. <laughs> last time? <laughs> yeah. yeah. In, in, ten in minutes between. Ago. <laughs> I just watched it and fast forward here real quick. Uh, I didn't because I saw the trailer and, well, I don't care. I know it's based on a century-old beloved sci-fi book series about I don't think Mars. It's that old. <laughs> <laughs> what? Like he's not allowed to embellish the truth a little bit. I just, I think you that, do it all the time. I, I think that may be a little hard on Burroughs. I, I don't think he's that long ago. I don't know. 
but that's the most boring movie title ever. <laughs> and even from the previews, it looked like a snore. I haven't read the books either because I figure it'll bore me like so many classic books do. Yeah, yeah, maybe I'm lame, but like John Madsen, I hate reading. Used to read a lot, but these days I don't need to bother. Too much else going on. Might go see Wrath of the Titans, though. Afraid it will suck, but it has to be better than the 2009 remake was. Yeah, I don't see why it has to be better. By the way, this sounds like I, I actually owe him an apology. It was written in 1912, so it literally is 100 years old. Yeah. Wow. That was a long time ago. Boy, you, I think, owe the author and J.D. an apology. Well, I'm sorry, J.D., and Edgar Rice Burroughs, you can spin in your grave. He didn't care for it either, apparently. Uh, I actually like John Carter of Mars. Um, I, you know, it's interesting. They, they they dropped the name of Mars out of the title. It was supposed to be called John Carter of Mars. They dropped of Mars out of the title. This is this, I, I actually read a Disney, because it was a Disney film, a Disney spokesperson say, well... We felt it would attract more of a female audience if it didn't have the words of Mars in the title. Really? Did they not see the trailer? <laughs> I know, it's like, so... There's they, like aliens <laughs> all over the place! Aliens and explosions and... Really? You thought they were just going to ignore all of that because it didn't have the words of Mars in the title? Wow. This just proves, Joey, that you and I could be making head-level decisions. At, at Disney? Yeah. Yeah? Well, no, I, I agree. Oh, wow. Come on in, John. Oh, is that my friend John Madsen? Uh, hello. Hey. That muffled sound you heard was uh, my friend John slinking into the room. That mic's on? Yes. It's, it's hot. Okay. So be careful what you say. All right. Well, we'll be taking these. Oh, good. He didn't open them. Cashews. The cashews. Slide on the hey, Laura said that there were chips. Uh, yes. Did you finish them off? Of course I... <laughs> well, she put this tiny canister of chips. I mean, usually it's not—it's nothing compared to the, you know, well, full I was, bag I usually eat. I was talking about the uh, <clears throat> the chips that you guys made last night. Yeah. She said that uh, there were leftovers. She put them on the island or on something. And well, so, she left them here when she left, and then I ate them. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes total sense. Anyway, uh, my friend John Madsen. Stole, the podcast. stole chips right out of my mouth. Come on, counter yeah. food. Even <laughs> I know that. Counter food. That's right. It was counter food. That's why I'm taking these cashews right now. Ah, oh, that's okay. That's all right. Enjoy your cashews. And uh, congr- oh, by the way, congratulations on the 100th Thank podcast. You. John uh, most recently had his 100th anniversary. Um, hopefully, it's released by the time anybody hears this. I <laughs> <laughs> You've got till Monday. Yeah, we'll 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 work on that. It's probably not, gonna be a two-parter. So. Not gonna make any promises. No. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because it was super long, like Trek West Five, super long. Wow. It four was, hours. It was about least. four and a half hours wow. of recording. Yeah, that's really long for probably you guys. about an hour and a half of salvageable material. <laughs> so. uh, we just put it we all get out about there, man. Minutes. <laughs> yeah. People still seem to listen. They're listening to this right now. <laughs> And you're just sitting there eating cashews. <laughs> this is high theater here. I came in to sabotage your podcast. This is, this is like not listenable at all. It's a step up from where we've been. Have you done the culture corner yet? 
I haven't done the culture you corner You know what? Yet. Can I... Let me hang out for a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just go around. ahead. Keep talking. Were, were you going to do a culture corner? No, no. I was just curious. You're just going to criticize what whatever I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, well... Whenever I'm live, you always do something really boring, so I can't. Okay. But... Well, hopefully you won't find this one boring. But oh. we... we ha- I, did we finish uh, addressing JD's email? Finish we JD's. We're okay. done with JD. By the way, thanks JD for emailing in. We like you. Um... Facebook find of the week, because uh, we already mentioned... No, we didn't mention your daughter lost her finger. No. What? Yeah, my... Uh, so we went out, We went to vacation, and there was a, a cross breeze in the house, and it blew the door shut on my daughter's finger. She lost the... Up, up to the first knuckle. All the flesh was stripped off of the finger, down to the bone. I mean, you could literally <laughs> see bone in there. All flesh was ripped off? Well, it was torn, and... <laughs> The way you they sound, the it sounds like they just took and like took literally <laughs> all the flesh right off down to the bone. No, it was it was torn off. I mean, the fingertip got torn off. If you ever seen someone's finger that got slammed, I can send you pictures if you want. <laughs> I expect these to be posted on the Facebook group. Is uh, that going to be the uh, Facebook Find of the Week winner? No, <laughs> that would be good. Her fingertip. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, so she, we had to take her to the hospital, and, and her finger got stitched back on, and, you know, all is more or less well now. She's on Tylenol with codeine, which has made her very easy to be around for the past five days. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you, you ask her, are you hungry? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, well, she wasn't exactly a difficult child to begin with, though. No, but some, like sometimes she, she can get a little terrible. hyper, so she can get a little, you know. It's her birthday time. It is. What, what, was the, what was the word you used in our last podcast when I was talking about how my daughter does Dolphin Girl? What, did you say kids are retarded? Is that what you said? No, I would, no. I would never say something like that. What? I would say kids are stupid. Stupid, okay. I find retarded to be an offensive okay. word. Well, in my house, stupid is not, not allowed. Stupid is so. not offensive at all. <laughs> no one who ever called anybody stupid has ever been offended by that. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, yeah, she's she's been, you know, it's been uh, less than thrilling birthday week for her. Hey, she got to have the little... The treasure hunt? Treasure hunt. She, so she really enjoyed she the treasure calm hunt. calm down. Yeah. Now send her my way. I'll have a little chat with her okay. about it. All right, we'll do. You, you are a much better parent than I am. <laughs> Facebook find of the week. Facebook find of the week. Okay, uh, I think it. I think it clearly goes to the Titanic Super 3D <laughs> clip. That was hilarious. Uh, the, the, until oh, I, until what I about watched the that little kid who was in the Millennium Falcon and the dog uh, as Chewbacca. Uh, that was awesome. I did not enjoy that as much as you did. Awesome. Uh, the, before that, the, the runner-up. Well, the winner until I saw that clip was the My Little Pony Friendship is Dragons. <laughs> you which... can't dare award Aaron. I think Aaron. This I think it should go to Aaron. Okay, Aaron, you heard it. Uh, all, everyone, you heard the, the blame is on Pete here. It's going to Aaron for My Little Pony Friendship is Dragons. It's I actually just... really funny if you read through it. It is. I, I, I'm only on like the thirty or fortieth strip, somewhere between thirty and forty. But it's a faithful recreation of. The episodes of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, but with voiceover inserts in text boxes as though it were a bunch of people playing a Dungeons and Dragons game set in the world of My Little Pony. And so they actually have character sheets and they're talking about their stats. 
They're talking about the roles that they make, and there's metagaming going on, and it, it is super, super funny. Okay, now you need to make sure and send out an award to Aaron, because I know he hasn't won yet. Okay, alright. He's I'll, earned it. I'll get him an award. Okay. You know, um, this is kind of weird, but I've noticed lately, because you guys know, the reason I don't get stuff done is because of the, uh, at least five or six hours of Netflix that I watch every day. <laughs> and, um, they're, um, so I'm pretty familiar with the whole streaming concept. I've noticed lately, like, on, like, new and upcoming or new releases or something, the one that's always, like, at the top, like, the hottest, like, new release is the My Little Pony cartoon that was just released on Netflix. So, like, I guess this is really a big thing. Yeah. It really is big, which is funny. I don't know. I don't blame anybody, but I, it is kind of strange. But <laughs> Have whatever. you watched it? No, I It's never... really well written. Really? I'm, I've never seen it. Maybe I should watch it. You should check it out. I'll put it in my queue. <laughs> I'll get to it nine years from now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, never until this day did I think you had discerning taste, John, but I think you do now. Good for you. Do we have a Book of Darkness? Yes, we do. Brandy Smurf says... What's up, dudes? My favorite Mormons in the house. And now for this week's Brainy's Nook of Darkness. Azazzle. I recently started to delve into the popular genre series, Supernatural. This show is demonrific. The show is more fun than serious, with a pair of brothers who drive around in a 67 Impala hunting demons. Often, the demon of the week is loosely based on some actual folklore or mythology. Have you dudes ever watched it? No. John? Um, I don't think so. I, I, I know, have. I know there, it has... There's uh, another one, right? That I get those two mixed up. This is the one that has the guy from, Gil like, from Gilmore Girls on it. Which guy from Gilmore Girls? Uh, Rory's boyfriend. The first boyfriend? Yeah. Which boy? Dean. Okay. Yeah, I like Dean. I'll have to watch that. Going in the queue right after My Little Pony. <laughs> I, I have watched it. I wouldn't have said that it's more uh, fun than serious. Because I've seen a few of them that got, like, really serious. Pretty dark? Yeah, really, really pretty dark. Um, I don't watch it on a regular basis, but I have seen a few episodes. And I thought it was decent. Okay. But it was on the CW, so for obvious reasons, I chose not to watch it. <laughs> uh, it's a nice blend of demons and funny. Uh, one demon on the show is named Azazel, so I thought I'd take a moment to recount the lore of this fallen angel. Wait, maybe he's talking about the other one, where they have to go around catching demons. What? I get those two confused. That, isn't that Brimstone? Is it? Because I know there's, there's... I liked that one. I thought yeah. that one was kind of funny. I, I heard the sidekick on it. I really enjoyed. I thought he was funny. Uh, Supernatural is about two brothers. Is the sidekick on Brimstone? Is he the guy who looks like Guy Fieri? Yes. Bit? Okay. Yes. I don't like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I may watch it though, just based on that. <laughs> you, got side, you got Guy Fieri running around catching demons. I would watch that show. Because <laughs> Brimstone's the one. Doesn't, doesn't the devil give them like? Like some kind of tool or something artifact that yes. you know can collect a demon. Okay, yes. but he, let's just assume he's talking about supernatural, though. I don't yeah, know. yeah. But I, when he says that it's more fun than serious, that's where I get a little confused because 
the, the I think Aaron has run. described supernatural as as kind of comedic with a light tone. You just wow. don't get that's it. interesting. That's well, I, I haven't watched that many of them. I think you just don't get it. You're probably catching the su- the season finales. Maybe, maybe. Uh, okay, back to this here. Uh, so I thought I'd take a moment to recount the lore of this fallen angel. In the Old Testament book of Leviticus, Azazel is a desert spirit who receives scapegoats. To the ancient Jews. A goat, infected with the sins of the Jews, was ritually sacrificed. What an odd way to describe infected. that, by the way. Infected with the, with the sins of the Jews. Uh, so a scapegoat used to actually be a goat before it evolved into one of the world's most overused euphemisms. Back to Azazel. In the everybody's favorite apocryphal tome, The Book of Enoch, Azazel fell when he taught man how to make weapons and women to use cosmetics. In the Book of Enoch, there is a group of fallen angels named the Watchers. Azazel joined up with these mischievously ethereal rebels. These dudes were described to be really tall, and when they reproduced with humans, they gave birth to the Nephilim, some crazy race of demigod giants. It kind of reminds me of Star Trek's eugenic wars, which yielded Khan. So Azazel's crime was weapons and cosmetics. So the dudes of the world fight with weapons, and the girls fight with makeup. And it's all Azazel's fault. That dirty scapegoat. He invented the battle, as well as the battle of the sexes, it sounds like. Ah, yes. Yes. Well punted, John. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to have to read the Book of Enoch. That sounds good. <laughs> I think it might be a little drier like, than what say, JD's putting out. It's not as much fun <laughs> as that may have made it sound. All right. Uh, thank you, JD. Um, before we go into Joey's Culture Corner... Yes. yes, it was. JD, we are done with. <laughs> You're right. Thank you, John. I, I don't know that we're done with him. Feel free to continue sending in comments, J.D. We're done reading his email for the evening. We've washed our hands of J.D. <laughs> Create a Facebook page and abandon us. <laughs> I was going to say, I I attended a Seder this last week. Okay, so you, you say that. I don't know what that means because Jewish when I think Passover. of... Jewish Oh, okay. When I think of a Seder, I think of the guy with the horns and the... Right. Okay. Yes, I also attended one of those. <laughs> Like, how do you attend? You were like his handmaid. I attended a weekend? mythical creature. <laughs> I attended Seder, and I attended to a Seder. <laughs> uh, so what was it like? Sure. It, boring. Okay. Pretty boring. Uh, I I watched uh, the Daily Show with John Stewart, and he did a thing about how, okay, Jews, we've got to step it up here. <laughs> the Christians have Easter, and they're rocking it. It is just awesome. Candy everywhere. People dressing up like they showed the the White House thing, yeah. and it was like tons of costumed people, yep. all sorts of them. Even made fun of Captain Planet there. Don't know why they were <laughs> Captain Planet was included in that list of themed characters. No dignitaries. <laughs> dignitaries. He was just invited. <laughs> well, it is a liberal uh, a White House right now, so Captain Planet really does fit in there quite nicely. <laughs> Um, anyway, he was saying like, oh my gosh, this is, they're so boring, and anyway, he's right, they are. 
you're sitting around and it's not meant to be, I don't think, a happy experience. Because it's supposed to remind people, you know, remember where we came from, what great things God did for us. Perhaps the Jews have that a lot better down than we have with Easter. (laughs) That's just me saying. Um, John's pretty upset about Easter right now. Well, it's just, you know, all all the the symbols of, I'm I'm eating the Easter eggs right now. It's not really helping me think of the resurrection at all. (laughs) Jesus didn't, you know, rise again from the dead to give us... M&M's? Super large M&M's. <laughs> uh, anyway, it was interesting. I'm glad that I did it. And I will never, ever take a bite of raw horseradish in my entire life. Mm, that will good. never happen. So did you do the, um, did you do the, re- the recline thing? Yeah. We were sitting down on the floor. Mm-hmm. I did not care for that. My legs just don't fold up really well, and being at the age that I am now, it, you know, wasn't <laughs> you old man. <laughs> yeah, it really wasn't. And there was a perfectly good table just off in the other room that we could have all comfortably been sitting at. But I'm sure I should have learned something about that as well. Anyway, interesting experience. Wanted to mention that before you went into Joey's okay. Corner. Because it ties into your culture corner for the night. It does? It better. (laughs) I don't think it does. Uh, Joey's Culture Corner is the novel Ready Player One by Ernest Cline. Oh, okay. This was... I I actually just finished reading this on vacation. It it was... I think it was three or four hundred pages. I read it in about eight hours. I mean, it was a very easy read. Very light read. Uh, the, The premise is... I want to say it was 2044, the year 2044, and the world has collapsed into massive unemployment, uh, an energy crisis, and basically war at every corner. Uh, The only thing that is good for anyone anymore is this giant, massively multiplayer online role-playing game... (laughs) called Oasis. Are you serious? I'm serious. And it's, we have an it, energy crisis, but we can have this but we can have the, the MMO. It's never really explained to any, at least not to my satisfaction. Uh, but the, the, they've, they've managed to create uh, lasers that can actually project images on your retina. And there's haptics, which is force feedback. So you, like you're wearing a glove. And if you encounter something in the game, you connect, it'll actually project that texture onto your hand so that you can feel and, you know, if you, something hits you, you can actually feel a recoil in your body and things like that. That's the principle behind haptics. We're, nice. we're not there in modern technology yet, but apparently by 2044, we will be. Uh, anyway, so it's all created by this guy who, he, he, he was born in the late 70s, early 80s. He dies. And when he dies, this message goes out, automated message goes out across the world to everyone who plays this video game that says, I've hidden a, a, I've hidden an Easter egg in the world of Oasis. And whoever finds it gets my $400 billion fortune plus a large percentage of ownership in the company that runs this video game that everyone in the world plays pretty much all day long, every day. Uh, and so the the hero of the story is a I want to say he's like 15 or 6. No, he was graduating, so he has to be around 18, right? So it's a a kid He's just getting ready to graduate from high school, and he stumbles on the first step 
of the clue towards this Easter egg. So people have been looking for it for five years, and it's gotten to the point where most people don't even actually think the prize even exists. But he, he's, you know, he's a kid. He's got nothing better to do at this time, so he's always hunting for this thing, and he finds the first clue. And there's a worldwide scoreboard that is posted, and it has nobody's name on it. Or initially, it just has the creator's name in all ten slots. And all of a sudden, his name appears at the top of this scoreboard saying, oh, he's got 10,000 points. And the, the way you have to uh, find the, the, so the, the key to the whole thing is you have to completely immerse yourself in 80s pop culture. <laughs> and so, like, the whole world So becomes... our savior is, uh, is John? Yeah. <laughs> the, the whole Are world you just becomes... making this up so I no, won't no. make fun of it? No. <laughs> you would really enjoy this book, John. You'd enjoy this. Yeah, it sounds good. Uh, the whole world becomes completely immersed in 80s pop culture. In, you know, the, the music, the movies, the Dungeons and Dragons, video games from the 80s. I mean, it's just... That is the craze because that's everyone's studying to try and figure out these riddles to get to the, the, the massive fortune. As the story goes on, then the, the bad guys are introduced. The bad guys are actually the internet service provider <laughs> that provides the hookup for everyone to get into the video game. They want to control the video game because the video game is free. You don't have to pay. Everyone in the world can have access to it for free. And the internet service provider thinks this is a bad idea. Everyone should be paying us for access to this game. So they want to take over the whole... They want, to, they want to win the prize because then they'll own a majority share in the company and they can start changing policies to make it sure. so that people have to pay. The people who are the good guys, quote-unquote, are fighting for the freedom of the, of the platform. They don't, want nice. to, they don't want there to be any commercialism involved. Nice. Uh, I actually enjoyed the book. Like I said, it, it, was, it was a light read. It was, it was very fun. I, I really enjoyed all the pop culture references. Uh, you know, I mean, I hadn't thought about the band Rush for probably 15 years before I read this novel. And, and the band Rush plays a key point in, in, unsol in solving all these riddles. So I enjoyed the book. I give it a thumb up. Okay. Is this a popcorn book? or is Absolutely a... popcorn. In fact, it's being made into a movie. Okay. By whom? Warner Brothers. Uh, director? I don't, I don't know if they even have a director yet, but Warner Brothers has optioned it for a film. Okay. So, uh, two things. First of all, I love how the clever use of the term Easter egg um, helped apply Joey's Culture Corner to exactly what Pete said. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Good find. Didn't think you'd be able to <laughs> handle that one. Um, and the second thing is, and I, I keep meaning to say this out loud a lot more often, but you said um, the year 2044, and it reminded me of this thing that I've been meaning to do for the past... 10 years or so, um, where I specifically focus on, on like, the, the year. The predictions that are supposed to be the, coming the, true? Like, supposed to be coming true, like, within certain science fiction things. Like, there's some specific things that we've missed. Yeah. Like, the events of Transformers the movie from 1986, <laughs> the good one, <laughs> that happened, like, seven years ago. Um, you know, we're, and, you know, we didn't have, like, the, the suits and everything, and, you know, the eugenics wars from Star Trek were in the late 90s and stuff like that. Yeah, too bad we missed those. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to, I want to be covering this stuff as it happens. So, and there's probably some Wikipedia page. I, yeah, I, I think I've seen, like, a, a, an image of that at some point. Really? I yeah, think so I have. Someone send that to me, because I, well, I, I know the big one it. right now is people 
warning the scientists out there, you've got two years to invent hoverboards for oh, Back right. to the Future. Yeah, 2015. Yeah. Is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course. Didn't they already invent them? I don't think so. No. When I was a kid, when, when Back to the Future 2 came out, like, the kind of rampant rumor was was that, uh, like, Zemeckis didn't know, like, how to do the special effects for hoverboards. So he was forced to make them. So he had them, but he wasn't <laughs> releasing them. And, and we, we, we all can't knew... the special effects, but we could sure invent one. <laughs> we, and so we, we all knew that they were just around the corner. They were just, like, in the marketing stages, you know, just all the paperwork that has to go through. And so, like, all growing up... Like, I just had this assumption that hoverboards were just going to come out very shortly. Yeah, because we all we, we had the like the um, the science teacher would come in and like do the experiment with the uh, the electromagnet, the electromagnetic where you make it cold and it's like and this magnet is hovering and it's supposed to blow all our minds and you know it did because we were all thinking of hoverboards, <laughs> but they never came. Yeah, you were having a rough life. Robert Zemeckis <laughs> really screwed with you. <laughs> it's it's a lot more bad. than he should have. It's been bad. Especially with the um, the later Zemeckis films, of course, you know, with the Polar Express and stuff, the, the uncanny valley of human <laughs> yes. facial expressions. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Have you not seen that one? I don't think so. It's I didn't terrifying. ever see Polar Express. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a little bit terrifying. <laughs> I was creeped out by the people in it. it it's all CGI. Uh-huh. But they tried to go with realistic human CGI, and there's just there's something not quite right about the way their faces move. And oh, I see. It's just kind of weird. It's it, it's more like a horror film. <laughs> it is a a nice touching story about Christmas. <laughs> the, the, yeah, there there is the the theory that um, there's this this valley of photorealism that is a lot more off putting than than cartoon. Yeah. Um, cartoon cartoons look more realistic than what's Close to realistic. Hmm. Fascinating. Who 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 was it that formulated the uncanny valley theory? Do you remember? I don't know. Okay. I have no idea. Because it also it's also frequently applied in the robotics field. Hmm. And they say there's just a point at which we ha we're, we're not quite good enough at making robots look truly human, but we're close enough that it just creeps people out to actually see us try as good as hard as we can. <laughs> All right, well, good times. Uh, good Culture Corner, Joey. Thanks. Uh, John, if you want to slink off. I'll dismiss myself. Thank you. you. <laughs> Thank you for the good times. Yeah, and, uh, good, uh, good to have you drop by. She's right. He's. I've already talked to him. He's going to be coming back and joining us for Firefly. Oh, right on. I'm planning on it. Yeah. I know Firefly pretty good. Yeah. So, anyway, start spreading the word to all of your friends. We're going to be doing Firefly. Yes. Pretty soon. Yeah, Dee Dee's horrified at how fast we're tearing through Studio 60. <laughs> She knows that it's only one season, right? She, she's like, I love this show so much, and you guys are going to be done with it in just like a few weeks. <laughs> well, she only had two years to, yeah. to get get it uh, up there. Well, that's not true. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on to episodes. We are going to be covering episodes 13 through 16 of Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, season one. And we'll start off with uh, episode 13, The Harriet Dinner, part one. Harriet's award dinner becomes the center of a vortex of events, including Jack and Tom trying to convince Zhang Tao's daughter to stay in Juilliard, and several couples trying to define the terms of their relationship, including Matt and Harry, Jordan and Danny, and Tom and Lucy. Um, for as much as went on in this, 
I got like four lines in it. Oh, really? I I like this episode. I have a few things. So. Maybe I just wasn't trying this week. Yeah. As, as we've already covered. Well, no, we didn't cover that because that wasn't the one that... The guy cut. <laughs> right. Uh, I, love, I love the way they start this episode off with Tom worried because here comes Jack to come talk to him and he's dressed up as a Fruit of the Loom and he's like, you know, I'd really I like to be out of this costume. I don't get why that's such a big deal. They, they, he's intimidated by Jack. Yes, but he totally understands what this man does for a living. He gets paid to pretend to be a fruit yes, of the and, and while rationally everything you're saying makes sense, when, there's just that level of emotional intimidation where things just stop being rational, and you're just like, look, I don't want to look stupid in front of Jack. I I would be totally comfortable okay. in I, that situation. I can if understand I had Tom's to, to wear that, I would be totally fine with it. I can understand why Tom is a little bit nervous about this, personally. You're just not a professional. That's true. I'm not. Uh, the, the whole idea of, of the gang member apologizing to the paralyzed kid for this all-you-need-is-love uh, reality event TV, I guess uh-huh. is what they're calling it. What do, you, what do you think about that? Would you uh, watch that show? Probably not. I don't watch a ton of that type of television. But you do watch Sons of Guns and Pawn Stars. Yes, because those are loosely, number one, historically based, and number two, uh, are gun based. Okay. And those <laughs> well, are about areas I don't necessarily know about. This is about a gun? No. <laughs> no, it's not. I think this is a terrible idea for a television show, and it doesn't belong on the air. I think it's exploitative. Yeah. For that's sure. A good, that's a good label. Um, but you have to look at it from the other side. The people involved are probably still getting something out of it. And it's not a bad idea to show people having made terrible decisions and having them come back and say, I was wrong, I am sorry, I, you know... I think that's the thing that bothers me the most about it. (laughs) The good thing? The wholesome thing? (laughs) Is it's wearing this this semblance of purity and wholesome concept. It's not... um, I don't think the people involved who are going to be filmed are culpable for that. I think the studio is. I think they're dirty. And if you look at the way that that woman is being portrayed she's terrible yeah she's a horrible person yeah you know not to be you know held up as the epitome of great society but jordan who wants to be seen that way she 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 thinks of herself that way she's being real she's told she's 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 already shown us once that she has the authority to override any any decision she can cancel any show she wants and she chooses not to exercise it here. That's because she knows she's going to get fired. But she's going to get fired anyway. Why not Why not live like you only have a year, as she said? It's because she got knocked up. All right. She's got the kid on the way now. But that can't be news to her. It's not that it's news to her, but it's, it's changed her perspective. Okay. All right. She's become maternal, and she's wanting to nest <laughs> and prepare... You know, some sort of comforting buffer so that, you know, this kid's going to be protected. Okay. Uh, so, Jordan and Jack talk about how 
Wilson White and Zhang Tao and, and this whole mess that Jack is trying to, uh-huh. you know, navigate through. I thought it was interesting that Jordan right away sees the same solution that it took Jack like half an episode to come up with. <laughs> you know, I, I think we're supposed to get the idea. Jordan is way smarter than Jack. She is. Uh, I, I like that aspect of it. Uh, Jack makes the comment, I love event TV. I don't watch it, but I love it. Yeah, it's because he's greedy. Makes the money. So I, I wanted to ask you, Pete, is there anything in your life that you enjoy that it exists because of the benefits, but you h- hate it conceptually? I, I For myself, I would say taxes. You're like, okay, you know, we get great infrastructure. I have a nice high-speed internet connection as a result, things like that. But... I don't really care for paying them. <laughs> That's just because you want to live off of the government for free. You think they should be providing it to everyone. That's not at all. <laughs> um, I don't know. I uh, mentioned I don't mind taxes. Yeah. So I, I, That's what's funny. Is there, is, there, is there something out there that does fit into this? Uh, this podcast? <laughs> does that qualify? So you, you, you like it. I, I guess that, yeah, that's true. You wouldn't ever listen to it yourself. I wouldn't. I really wouldn't. Like, there would be no time. Like, I used to listen to John's podcast, but that was when I didn't have as much going on in my life. I, I really just have no time for this kind of stuff. My job doesn't allow it. Like, maybe if I went back to working in a warehouse, I could I could listen to podcasts all day. But you wouldn't listen to this one. <laughs> Probably not, because I think I'm full of crap. <laughs> All right, I got what I wanted out of that conversation. Okay, hey, that was easy. Uh, so Danny's scared of snakes. Yes, and that's a rational fear. <laughs> Completely rational. Okay, I, I would say being scared of poisonous vipers, rational. The degree to which I think you and Danny are both scared of snakes, I think Ugh. borders on the irrational. For example... We have, you know, Curtis and Annie. Yeah. They have a pet snake. Yeah. The thing's harmless. Yeah. It's just like a garden snake or something, right? You are terrified of it. You've, you've, well. Oh, yeah. I've walked past it. I've stared at it, trying to get myself comfortable. No. Not in the slightest. As a matter of fact, I told them on a few occasions, I said, if that thing comes out or comes near me, I will kill it. Yeah. There, there is, expect me to go nuts, I wouldn't even be surprised if I blacked out or yeah. just passed out. So, in do you know why you're that scared of snakes? Do you have a, a memory of an event? Th- that... There's no one thing that happened in my past that made me realize that snakes were evil creatures put on this earth by God to torment me. Because <laughs> I have I have the same degree of. Of earwigs. I would say almost earwigs. phobia uh-huh. of earwigs, yep. and I do. I black out, and I don't know what I'm doing. And I'll either run in terror until I hit something that stops me, <laughs> or I will stomp the thing for you know a long time. I mean, I, I came out of it one time out of the red haze that I see when I see an <laughs> earwig, and I was just stomping the ground, and my foot was hurting, and people were trying to stop me. Like, dude, I think you got it. I'm pretty sure it's dead. <laughs> 
Um, but I, you know, I have a, I have a reason. I have a story that I think I've shared before on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you a, have. A terrifying, <laughs> scarring event from my past that explains why I'm scared of earwigs. <laughs> if only that's how irrational fear worked. <laughs> I have to have a reason. Well, I just um, thought I wondered if there was a story behind it. There, there is not. Um, although I should try and find the picture, Joey, of when I was in Scotland. Uh, I there was a person we used to go and visit who owned a snake. Okay, and the kids would bring it out, and they knew I was afraid of it. And their mother <laughs> used to like chase them off, like to get that thing out of here, away from him, kind of stuff. Because the kids being kids, yeah, they, sure, they want to torment you to do that. Yes. yes. So one time, my companion and I were over there visiting, and she's like, "You're touching the snake. You are touching the snake." Get over it, it, huh? Yeah. And so she held it in her hand, and I think that they were going to put it in my hand, or I was supposed to touch it, or something like that. And she said, if you pass out, I'm putting this down your shirt. (laughs) (laughs) So I was afraid. Yeah. A hyperventilating kind of thing, like... Is there God? Don't let me pass out. <laughs> um, we've got a picture of it, of me, like you know. Uh, I'll I'd see if I can dig that, that yes, out. And awesome. If we can, maybe we can use that as a Facebook find of the week or of some sort. I'm sure we could probably scan that in to yeah. get a good picture of it or something. But uh, I think that's funny. Yeah, that is good. Uh, I can't say I've ever touched an earwig <laughs> willingly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I. I you know I've actually taken a snake by a rattlesnake by its tail and swung it around and bashed its head into the rock until it stopped twitching because you know it was either bit, be bit by the rattlesnake in my mind I was at a point where I'm like okay I'm either going to get bit by this thing or I'm going to kill it yep it uh, bites so, you or you bite it so I you know I I get being cautious and, and you know it's it's like a loaded gun you know I don't wave a loaded gun around in people's faces I don't throw poisonous vipers at people. It just seems <laughs> rational, right? Because you've got a quiver of them lying around. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine you sitting in one of your business meetings and it's like, hey Bob! <laughs> you know what? Speedy's a little boring. Let's liven it up a little bit. Poisonous viper! <laughs> Pokemon attack. <laughs> Wait, put the viper. I choose you. <laughs> oh man. Okay, the whole live animals on the set thing, though. Yeah, I think this is a bad idea. Yes, I agree. And and clearly, Danny does too. He's trying to talk Cal out. He's like, no, no, let's take this off site. We can do it for seventy-two. No, we can save some money. Let's do it here. If they've already proven they've got plenty of money. <laughs> Oh, well. Yeah, with no writing stuff. <laughs> okay, the whole Tom and Lucy and Chinese girl. Okay. Nope, that... you're, you're brandishing a fist at me. I'm afraid <laughs> to go on. You go. Well, it starts with Matt advising Tom not to tell the truth in this situation. Yeah. Why would Tom listen to that? I don't know. It's clear. Uh, maybe, Here's maybe what it's... I would do. I would have said to Jack, fine, but you have to go tell no. her 
that I can't do this. No. I, yes. I, I don't think you put Absolutely. Jack in that. Jack, Jack would not participate in that. I think Jack would be like, then, then you things have I don't gumption. care about. <laughs> then you have enough gumption to say, sorry, see ya. No. Not gonna do it. To the boss? Yes. Oh, see, it's I, clear that that man is crawling on his hands and knees metaphorically to get him to do this. Interesting. I see your point. I don't know. I, I, I don't think I'd do that. I would just have gone to Lucy and said, hey, listen. I would tell her the truth as well. Jack asked me for a favor. Mm-hmm. You know it's Jack. I can't say no. It's going to involve another woman. There will be nothing, you know. Jack made it clear. No sexual touching will, will be involved. So, you know. Yeah. Now we bring up Jack. Oh, no. Don't worry. Jack said no sex involved at all. So we're fine. <laughs> no, you start with Jack. But, you know, you say, look, it's it, this is a favor for a business partner of Jack's. There's nothing yeah. more to it than that. I think you explained it, but doing that, it's not as funny. True, it's not. And then you have to rewrite something from the sh- <laughs> for you know ten to fifteen minutes of the show. Would you accept an award from the Polyamorous Society? <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I mean, Matt's answer is, oh, you know, it's an award. Sure. <laughs> uh, no, let's move on. <laughs> Uh, this episode is directed by Timothy Busfield, who plays Cal. Yep. And in the episode, the character of Cal directs the shooting of the promos. I found that a nice little bit of symmetry. He directs himself as a direct as an actor playing a director. All right. Um, why use poisonous snakes? <laughs> by the way, I don't know. I, I don't think anyone People in the audience the is going to know. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well. Again, not as funny. But I love the character of Bevo. The character of Bevo makes this episode for me. And the next one as well. He's like, you know, these are these are safe snakes, though, right? No, they're poisonous vipers. Oh, but they won't bite anybody, right? They'll strike at the slightest provocation. <laughs> he shows him his thumb where he's been bit. <laughs> Hilarious. I love that character. Um, we see uh, the guy from Heroes. And this just reminded me how sad I am that Heroes wasn't a better show. The first the first season was awesome up until the last episode. It was okay. I really enjoyed the first season. I thought season. the first season was slow. Okay. I wanted more action. I thought the rest of the seasons were crap and stopped watching, I think, halfway through the third But season. I wanted more cheerleader as well. Sure. Okay. Uh... They make the comment. They're talking. They're doing. They're going over the Mondongo sketch, and he says, "Mongongo, Mongongo." Thanks. What did he say? He said, "Just like the you will not abbreviate my name, just like the man abbreviated Black History Month." Yeah. And so he says, "Yeah, but I'm pretty sure February has always had 28 days." It hasn't. I don't know if you knew that. It hasn't always had 28 it's days. Tw- 29 days every four years. It used to be a 31 day, 31 month. 31 day month back under like the very first version of the Gregorian calendar. Mm. If you ever go look at how calendars have evolved over time from, you know, whatever kind of system we had up until the Julian calendar system. And then the Julian, Julian system is just numbering the days. Like, okay, this is day one under the Julian system. Everything that happened before this is negative numbers of days. Everything that happened after this is positive numbers of days. Wow, what an incredibly awkward way of keeping and, track. And that was that that was maintained for like forty years, hmm. until one of the popes came along, Gregory the something, I don't remember which, 
and made the Gregorian calendar, which is more or less the calendar that we live under today. But even that, they, they did weird things. I mean, they so they had... Uh, okay, our, so still not around when Martin Luther King was no, you're junior. Right, you're right. You're right. Was but I, I'm saying he, he's actually, I think he's making a very clever callback joke here to, you know, really old calendar systems. Yes, it's before it was Black History Month. But I, I think it's a clever callback joke. I think you're the only one getting that joke. <laughs> Probably. It's unfortunate. because I'm not even sure that's, uh, that was the intended joke. I think they were just going for the... Look, they've, they've He's shorted an angry the black, black guy. man. Okay. Uh, I think Tom and Lucy might be the most interesting couple on the show. Uh, uh, no. I, I'm more interested in them than I am in Matt and Harriet, by far. Oh, Matt and Harriet, no. I No, I, I, I like... Uh, Jordan and Danny? Jordan and Danny. Okay. I just don't care for Lucy that much. I don't find her that I, I like the character of Tom a lot. Tom's okay. Like and, Tom. and so I'm more interested in what happens to him. I, I look at Danny, and I, I guess I I just I always think of Danny... You and, you and Danny are the same person, practically, in my mind. And so it's like, yeah, well... I guess Pete can find happiness. I'm not that interested in it. <laughs> <laughs> I just gotta find that pregnant woman. That's out right. There. <laughs> but what I did think it was interesting to compare the number of couples introduced in the first season of Studio 60 compared to the number of couples introduced over the course of The West Wing. I mean, it was not as much about coupling. As, as we get here in... You know, and I, th I think some of that has to do with just that Hollywood lifestyle and, and you know, I've talked before about what I think happens to the moral compass of people who are actors. Uh, that, that, that is my sense of the way Hollywood is. It's just... What do you mean? I, there were lots of couples in the West Wing. There were? Josh went out with a few different women. Josh did go out with a few different women. Sam he didn't go out, out with, with anyone in women. the first season. It was Joey Lucas. Was that the first season? Yeah. Oh, wow. I thought that was the second season. Gordon's Fisherman. Yeah, I thought that was such a funny scene. Gordon's <laughs> Fisherman, man. <Yeah. laughs> hey, crazy lady. There's no way you're getting to see the president today. Oh, it was president. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, something I found implausible. No cell service on the roof. Okay. We have cell service throughout the entire building. Inside. No cell service outside on top of the roof. I see your point. I, I thought this was just a... Like, I know that in Hollywood that I hear all the time, certain parts of California, Hollywood being one of them, that the cell service... Like, you can have four bars cross the street and have no signal whatsoever. It's just this weird, there's, a, there's these holes in the network out there. In fact, to the point that AT&T now actually pays people to have these little devices in their office that are cell phone repeater towers, basically. You hook them up to your internet feed. AT&T will give you internet for free if you'll run this cell tower in, there in your office to try and increase the, the coverage there. Interesting. Kim just does not look that attractive to me. They both, both Simon and Tom make a big deal about how she's so attractive. She's dolled up in order to look attractive, but I personally am not. That it didn't work for me. To her. Yeah. Okay. Not enough boobs. 
<laughs> Sorry, not enough Klingon ridges. I, that's all I got, Pete. You got anything else? No. All right. I Do we have anything from talking a while ago? Oh, no, anything from listener? I didn't think that that episode was that interesting. I liked it, but I didn't. think I think it was my favorite out of the entire slate this week. Wow, cannot agree with you there. Okay, uh, Brainy Smurf says Harriet's stupid dinner part one. <laughs> okay, listener, Sai, multiple choice. Pick one. Uh, pick which one is least believable. A. Jack tells Tom that fate of Western civilization depends on an ability to trample over the dreams of a 20-year-old uh, viola prodigy. B. Simon's new character is Mongongo, a militant warlord made of fruit. C. The two characters whom are about to develop a romance get locked on a convenient rooftop for eight hours. D. Yodi the Coyote must catch the nameless ferret who got lost hunting a mongoose who was after a wayward viper beneath the studio. There was never a mongoose. I don't think there was either. I think he <laughs> just... Yeah. Uh, what each... Uh, what? Each statement is true? Every premise in this two-parter is absurdly unrealistic. Some parts were mildly entertaining, but not enough to warrant a double episode. TV 6. Okay. It's clear he agrees with me. All right. Well, what's your rating then, Pete? Six. I'll forgive it a six. Yeah, I didn't hate it. I I enjoyed watching it, but there was like hardly anything I could think of to like write down. Uh, you know, I like I said, I I enjoyed this one more I think than the rest of the episodes this week. It's not the strongest episode of Studio Sixty that we've seen, but you know, the strongest I, this week. Yeah, I uh, think so. I'm gonna call you out on that. Moving on to the next episode, the Harriet Dinner Part Two. The chaos continues as Jordan and Danny are locked on the roof. Matt and Harry are fighting, and Cal is trying to get the animals out from under his stage. Still, man, that Cal. <laughs> okay. uh, starts with Jordan throwing the hide a key. That was kind of funny. Okay. I think she should have noticed that it was a yes. hide a key. I think she should because have. Because the hide a key isn't really that well disguised, it's made of plastic. And underneath. Is the key. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Matt and Harriet are fighting. Oh my gosh. Ah, uh, goes on so much. But, I mean, aside from that, this is really about the two of them not being able to set their own lives aside for each other. Hmm. They're being, in my opinion, too selfish. This is this fight is about selfishness, not being able to let go for the other person and put them in their life first. I I really think that that's what this is about. I, I think it's interesting that you put it that way. I would I would also say it's about selfishness, but I would say it's about the selfishness that prevents them from walking away, because it's clear to me that they both need to walk away from this relationship. It cannot possibly work. It is well, Matt is—he's a little too immature. He really is. He needs to grow up okay. a lot. I think it could work between us. I really think that it can. I don't think you should ever try that hard to make a relationship work. Wow. 
You heard it here first. Joey hates relationships. If you have that many fundamental disagreements in your basic system of beliefs, you should not be trying, in my opinion, to make a relationship work. In I disagree. Environment. I disagree. That you can have disagreements, as evidenced by this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> and you can still have mutual respect and care and consideration for the other person. You absolutely can. The the part where it becomes a problem. Oh, by the way, me, uh, I want to be Matt in this relationship. By the way, you're Harriet. <laughs> All right. I'm, just, I, I'm the member just of the religious right. I'm okay with that. <laughs> oh crap! I'm getting, I'm getting an award from the polyamorous society. The the part where I have a problem is Matt's utter disdain for her religious beliefs. As yeah. long as he feels that way, they should not pursue a relationship. I just... He's hes not... He's being selfish, once again. He's not willing to see the other side of things. Okay. That's a weird way of putting it to me. I would, I would just say, I don't think Matt's ever going to budge from that stance as long as he lives. I think that's fundamental to the person of Matt. And so he should not be trying to pursue a relationship with a person who has strong religious convictions. It just should not be in the cards for him. Uh, maybe, but he's being selfish. I, I, and if know, any relationship is ever going to work for this man, he's got to agreed, learn to, to walk away from Certain his things. truly uh, strong-held positions if they really are such. Well, welcome back, everyone. Pete had a, a visitor over. Yes. <laughs> a woman who thinks... A real woman. Dr. Beverly Crusher was the best character of Star Trek's generation. <laughs> And that is now the only thing I know about that person. <laughs> that is the indelible memory that she has left me with. Uh, which is sad because Andrea is really a great girl. She's so, so cool. And she's a Star Trek The Next Generation fan. Anyway, she may be on a dating show and she wanted to t borrow my DVD collection of Star Trek The Next Generation to go in and show what a quirky, fun girl she is. And I tried my best. You saw. I did, yes. You I tried, tried to my best to stop her from doing this because that is going to make her look bad. <laughs> that is not a good decision. <laughs> as, as I mentioned to her, stay away from cats and Star Trek. Do not go, don't lead in with those things. Just mention, oh, I do like cats and, you know, I was one of those girls that liked Star Trek The Next Generation. Don't, don't walk in with the DVDs. <laughs> but I'm afraid she's going to. Oh, well. See, she is cute, so uh, hopefully people will see past the weirdness. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're just going to say we were done talking about Matt and Harriet. Yep, okay. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. We okay. all agreed we were both right in whatever we were talking yep, about. Absolutely. Uh, I, I was slightly more right. But... <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, what do we go to now? They tear up the floorboards to get the animals out. They're going to do that. Yeah, uh, wow, you just jumped the whole episode. Uh, I wanted to ask you, have you ever had to stop a girl from coming on to you the way Tom's trying to get Kim to calm down? Have you ever had that no. experience? Oh, you're missing out. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say I've ever had that experience. once again how <laughs> single I am. I can't say I've ever had that experience either because I always just said, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a good idea. <laughs> I don't have anything else going on. Why not? 
you know, one of the things that, that they talk about in this episode is Kim and, and how she was a child prodigy and how much pressure to to excel and perform and things like that were put on her as a, as a child. Do you, do you think that's... Rightly so. Do you think that's okay to do to a child? If they show indications towards that, yes. So if the child is not actually interested in it, but they have a talent there, you would encourage the parent to railroad them into it? No, not railroad. Okay. But I would encourage, if it's clear that the kid has a talent in a certain area, yeah, I would try and do everything I could to foster it. I would not go to the extreme that was provided within this episode as to what happened in her life. Yeah, it, it, I 36 think a months little, little is a little far. little young to be practicing the viola. Yeah, I, I would let the kid kind of grow up a little bit. By the way, can we just say three years old? Do we have to say 36 months? Yes. Yes, we can. <laughs> um, the, it was her that said 36 months. I, 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 I'm like, aware right. of that. I'm right. just saying I... I'm just saying, I'm, all I'm saying is, viola is a pretty heavy instrument for a three-year-old to be packing around. I don't know. I'm sure they probably started her off with something small. Okay. A ukulele version of the viola. <laughs> Not an actual ukulele, but you know what I mean. A ukulele is a smaller, pared down version of a guitar. Sure, sure. You could give to a kid and they could learn how to do chords. The mental image of someone playing the ukulele with a bow. <laughs> Okay, so she passes out. You've mentioned you would take advantage of her. No. <laughs> I don't think I said that. What? No? No. I thought, no. oh, I no. misunderstood that. Okay. Um, I'm talking about before she got drunk when she was throwing herself at me. Oh. I'd be like, put the alcohol down. Let's go find your hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Matt trips all over his words because he's so flustered with the situation. He's just realized that Harriet is really saying... We're done. Yeah. And he emotionally can't handle it. He is an 11-year-old boy and just <laughs> doesn't get it. Um, let's see here. Okay. Finally, Simon gets around to explaining why he is has been going after Darius so much. We've, we've got the explanation. I still don't buy it. I think that there is a much better way to teach this man something without going through the really rude way that yeah that Simon did it. Yeah, I would agree. With that. I'm not happy with what Simon did. Uh, I even though he's black, I consider that racist. Yeah, I do. I, I don't Here's think a that's for an appropriate you. thing to do. Why is Darius so upset about being called Kunta Kente? I mean, black. I know that's it's, the character from a, Roots. It's a black thing. But wasn't he a, an admirable character? Uh, I have not seen Roots. I saw it once but a long I, time ago. But when I, you pair up the words that the other things that you that Simon called him, which is Uncle Tom, I get why that one's offensive. Totally yeah, well, get that. I, one. I, I'm thinking they, the characters must be parallel similar okay. in some regard. Man, I can't remember it that well. I just I don't I did not I remember know. Kunta Kente being. A bad guy. I mean, I know, I know. Uncle Tom is racist. Says the white man. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Stop making an but, ass of yourself, sir. <laughs> by the way, Chicken George. 
is also a character from Roots. I remember that much. When he calls him Chicken George as he's leaving the room, okay. that was one of the characters there in in the Roots. Um, would you, would you ever answer someone else's cell phone? Um, not likely. The only time I can see myself answering someone else's cell phone is if I'm in a movie theater, and I like as I'm sitting down, the phone is sitting there and it's ringing. I might pick it up and say. Hey, tell whoever this phone belongs to that I've turned it in at the ho- at the movie theater front desk or something. But other than that, I cannot understand what possesses Tom to answer her cell phone. No, no, no. Okay. Turns out Jane speaks English. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Really great. Uh, you know, wh- why do you pretend you can't? Because it's fun. But- yeah, I totally get it, dude. <laughs> I would like to pretend I can't speak English. <laughs> and then you have to pay someone to pretend to interpret for you. Or maybe I can just do the, make the intern do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Next podcast. That is what you should do. <laughs> we'll do it through the intern. And I will speak my own language. <laughs> That I've invented, <laughs> and the intern will have to translate. <laughs> He's going to have to learn the language. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> anyway, Zhang is actually on board with the plan. He's he's behind it. He says, yep. okay, fine, we'll do it. Um, oh, yeah, Jordan likes Danny. They kiss. Yep. And Matt starts his descent downwards. <laughs> um <laughs> Joey's laughing for other reasons, which will never be never explained be on this explained. podcast. Um, but just suffice it to say, he is he's slumping yep. into this depressive state, and it's going to be bad for him. It's going to be bad. Uh, you know, Jordan talks to Danny about how, you know, after you're sober, you're not supposed to make any big decisions for a year. She was perfectly fine with accepting him changing jobs. Which is one of the things you're not supposed to do. Yeah. But when it comes to studying a relationship with him, then it's somehow different. I think all of this was a test. I think Jordan tricked him up to the roof and secretly got the doors locked so that they would be <laughs> stuck up there so that she could test him. That was very Machiavellian of her. Or okay. me, really. Do we have any comments from uh, yes. Brainsmart? Yes. He says... Uh, Harriet's Fight with Matt, Part 2. <laughs> I like when I can watch TV and it makes me feel good. Sometimes I even like it when it makes me react. But to watch a couple fighting and pouring salt in one another's wounds is really tiresome. Maybe there is some parallel between the mongoose, ferret, coyote, snake, and the lengths Tom has to go in order to make women slash Jack happy. But my boredom evaporated any further interest in this point. On the other hand, I had forgotten how hard it is to translate Mandarin. So this is a wake-up call. Hopefully it will give me some time to prepare for the Firefly translations. (laughs) TV4. Didn't care for this. Okay. What do you think, Joey? I agree. I also gave it a 4. Do not enjoy this episode. I don't love the Harriet and the Matt stuff, but I do like Danny and Jordan a little bit. I'm glad they get together, but I can't wade through all the rest of the crap to get to it. Uh, I gave this one a 7. Wow. Moving on to our next episode, The Friday Night Slaughter. While high on drugs, Matt relives his first few days with Harriet. Just want to say, 
I hate this episode. This may be the worst episode of Studio 60, in my opinion. Wow. I absolutely despise this episode. Uh, I love this episode. Interesting. And I'm not just saying that to be contrary, because, <laughs> well, I enjoy that too. I really enjoy the flashbacks of Matt. And he is so screwed up that he is projecting this mysterious yeah, so guy. Kind of, well, the way I put it, I, this episode is very Fight Club-y. And makes even less sense in retrospect than Fight Club did. No, it doesn't. If you go back and watch this episode, it's so funny. We, keeping in mind that Tim is a is a figment of Matt's imagination, none of this episode makes sense. And let's just start with stage one. Who actually got fired so that Matt and Luke could share an office? Yeah, yeah, I, makes no sense. The episode it doesn't make sense. It didn't happen. That's the problem. Matt's so high, he is misremembering the past. He's screwed up. We're supposed to get that Matt is really oh, screwed up. I get this. it. He's screwed up, and I don't care for the episode as a result. Um, the whole episode has a, a vibe of drug-induced haze to it. Yeah. Throughout. Didn't care for that. Yeah. Um... Although, it begins with them, uh, with cameras on a woman's chest. You're okay with that? I, well, being <laughs> the single male that I am, um, yeah, I was okay with it. But I have noticed, from time to time, producers of shows tend to have the camera below the bust line. Um... And I'm wondering if that's intentional, do you think? Because I don't know that they can intentionally do it. Like, okay, sweetie, we need to make sure you, your boobs look really good so that they look great on camera because we're going to be featuring them heavily. <laughs> I don't think that they can do that. I think that that may, that may cross a standard line. And if they frame just that part of her body, <laughs> that might be a problem. Yes. <laughs> That <laughs> it belongs on the Spice Channel or something. <laughs> um, but I wonder how much of that is undiscussed decisions yeah. that get made. That's a good point. Does that make sense, yes, what does. I'm saying yeah. there? I wish that I was in television to have someone <laughs> maybe answer that question for us. You don't know anybody in television? I don't. Okay. I don't. I know one person, but I don't know if he'd talk to me. So... Okay, you, you you can't keep talking about this person that you're you know writing all of these love letters to. <laughs> Brent Spiner is never going to reciprocate, Joey. It's just not going to happen. Oh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> uh, um, the flashbacks were kind of interesting. I would have liked to have seen who were the big stars back then. I think that they could have had like Chevy Chase or somebody come on oh. and do a guest role. Oh, man. Oh. This is only back in the 90s, so Chevy Chase, eh, not well, so much a big star. Well, well, no, no, I'm saying you have someone come on that's not... Because, you know, who are Harriet Hayes and, and Tom and, and Simon? You, you have somebody come on who's... Like, you make a joke out of it, right? That Chevy Chase was the big star oh, no. back then. <laughs> this is supposed to be in the real world. Um... I 
enjoy the flashback episodes. I, I think I've mentioned that. Yeah. Usually they're they're a pretty good thing because they, we get to see some backstory. I think we could have continued, had the show continued, obviously, to get more backstory about this. I think this is just a yeah. little little part of a much bigger story of of Matt and Harriet, or maybe even just Matt or just Harriet, to see you know how they managed to rise to the heights that they did. Yeah. Uh, at one point, Matt asks someone laying on a couch, "Hey, could you look at this? Mm-hmm. Is that supposed to be Danny Tripp?" He says, "Danny." He says, "Hey, Danny, could you look at this?" But it's not. Uh... Wow! No, I have okay. no idea. I don't even know what Danny Tripp did back. Then. Yeah, we don't know. He had. To, he wasn't a writer. He had to have been some sort of production assistant of some fame, or producer, or, high, or high up. director, or yeah. I just don't know what it was. I don't know either. Maybe yeah. he had Cal's job. Uh, no, no, I don't think so. I don't know who Nev Campbell is. Really? Yeah. Party of Five? I never saw a Party of Five. No, that's okay. I didn't really watch it either, but I still knew. She was the young, hot thing. I know then. Jennifer Love Hewitt from that because she did sure. the Audrey Hepburn movie. Oh, okay. That's the reason you're going to choose to remember her. Very well. Was there another reason to remember her? Oh, come on. The nickname Jennifer Love Boobit. I've never heard that. You seriously never heard that? <laughs> no, I've never heard that. Everybody was in love with this girl because she was so young and so natural and so big. Huh. Okay. That, that never surprises heard that me that your deviancy never <laughs> took you to, to find that. I'm glad that my deviancy is such a major player in your imagination. <laughs> what a great way to put that. <laughs> stunning, really. Um, okay, uh, Matt takes pills. Yeah. We see him, you know, he's starting to ingest. Um, and is this the episode where the girl gives him more yes. and she notices? Yes. Okay, I... I, I wish I knew this industry well enough to know, like, where are the drugs coming from? And it seems like everybody's just passing them around to everybody. Well, let's see. There was the guy that played uh, Pete on Smallville. The black guy? Yeah. Uh, I know he was arrested a few years back for trying to smuggle, like, a half a million dollars worth of... No. Yeah. Of uh, Is that well, why he got taken off of Smallville? No, before it was before he left. It was after he left Smallville. He was on the TV show uh, Blue Mountain State. He was a major character on that show, and they took him off because he was caught smuggling drugs across the Canada border. It was the uh, what's the the painkiller that's so popular right now? Oxy, oxycodone. Oxycodone is that right? I think it's Viagra. Viagra is not a painkiller. <laughs> Oh. I've been using it wrong. <laughs> oh, yes. so disturbing. Uh, Oxycontin, probably. Oxycontin, there you go. That, so he was he had like half a million dollars worth of stuff in his suitcase and tried to come across the border from Canada into the U.S. and was arrested and got kicked off the show and is doing prison time, as far as I know. Oh, nice. So apparently he it's it's him. It's, it was all him. <laughs> <laughs> the black guy from Smallville did it. Great. 
<laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't care for that whole scene. That whole scene where Matt and the it's singer. It's disturbing. It absolutely is sad and atrocious that he would. He is so messed up emotionally that that's where he turns, and he just allows himself to continue on. the The saddest part of this is Danny doesn't say anything. Yeah. Or maybe Danny doesn't notice. I have a hard time believing Danny isn't noticing. I this. think he notices, and that's when he tells Matt in a later episode, "Not so much of this," and he thinks it's all alcohol. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. It's it's frustrating because if anyone is going to be able to pick that out of a crowd, you would expect Danny. Yeah. Yeah. And especially the fact that he knows what type of person Matt is and should be able to see when. Something is wrong. Yes. Why doesn't he speak up? Why doesn't he say anything? Yeah, the, 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 the way he and Cal are looking at each other as they're going through the board, the looks they're giving each other, it, it seems to me like they know something is wrong. And it's disappointing that neither one of them decides to do anything about right. it. Right. I expect you, if you can find anything wrong with me, feel free to point it out. Preferably not on the podcast. <laughs> we don't want to... I'll just you know, come into your work and just... Say it at the top there. of my uh, top of my lungs, <laughs> Pete. You gotta go off the drugs, man. <laughs> uh, it, he needs a friend here, and he doesn't get it. And it's because Danny's so wrapped up in Jordan. Yeah, I think there's an aspect of that to it. It is. Uh, Matt and Harry fight from step one. Yeah, that was kind of funny because he pitches crazy Christians to her. And it goes on about how nut jobs are believing in angels. Yeah. And she says, Yeah, I'm one of those nut jobs. The honey crusted nut bar. <laughs> um, Which, by the way, I wouldn't mind being called that. Honey crusted nut bar? It sounds like a nice thing. <laughs> <laughs> I like honey. I like nut bars. What's wrong with being a honey crusted nut bar? I don't know. I, you raise a good point. Why, why aren't more people trying to, you know, ingest you? <laughs> Everybody come over and take a bite of Joey. He's a honey-crusted nut bar. Um, I would not mind having an office that's so small I can write on both walls. by standing in the middle. <laughs> that's just because you would prevent people from being able to come in because it's so small. I, I like small cramped spaces as a work environment. Mm. I prefer it that way. Interesting. Okay, uh, my last note on this was sad, very sad, as the, the episode ends, uh, to see where Matt is descending into. It's not a happy place, it's not a good place. Yeah. It's it's maybe Sorkin, is really what we're seeing here. Yeah, I think that's probably, you know... Sorkin is writing... Um, he's writing his own experience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although I don't know who Harry is in Sorkin's life, I... I don't know what the correlation is there. Allison Janney, maybe. No. <laughs> I, I, I'd say I think no. more of Allison Janney than that. Okay. Right. Uh, before before we move on, I do want to say the whole uh, metric conversion skit thing. <laughs> I had two problems with it. First thing is we don't ever see it though. I would care a lot more if I'd actually gotten to see the skit <laughs> at some point. Well, you know that's one aspect of this show that we didn't even cover. I mean, we just paid attention to the math stuff. But the Friday Night Slaughter, and I've heard about this on the SNL Saturday Night Live stuff that I've watched, is that it comes, you know, you've you've tried to do everything you can. Hey, I'm going to be on TV, maybe. Uh, 
And then to have the producer just come through and say, no, I'm not using this, not using this, not using this. And it's sort of deflating as I've heard other people talk about it, say, oh, man, <laughs> dang it. I'm not going to get on TV. I'm not going to, you know, my thing that I spent so much yeah. time in isn't going to happen. And that's got to be terribly deflating. It would be like you walking into your boss's office and saying, hey, I've got this idea for a great piece of code. Like, all right, well, uh, let me see a little bit of this. And you, you spend feverish amounts of time to get in under the deadline, and then it's like, nah, no thanks. <laughs> Just tossing it to the side, you know, as though it's worthless. You know, as a, as a computer programmer, that happens to us all the time. That's not <laughs> unusual. So, But, you know, other than that, the other thing that I had an issue with here is I don't understand why Tom and, what's the other guy's name? Simon? No, the, the, the heavyset white guy. Oh, that writes the We're skip. all the heavyset white guy to you, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> You're all thin white guys to me. Him, let's just call him Joey. All right, so Joey, <laughs> Tom and Joey. You know who I'm talking about, though, right? I do. Why aren't they so anxious to get a skit on? They're actors, not writers. Yeah, but I think that they... It's clear they care about this, and they... I know that the actors do put forward ideas... And then the writers then help to flesh it out with, you know, dialogue. But I think the idea... I, I, like when he was pitching the uh, the whole husky gymnast yeah, okay. thing, you know? Yeah. That was his idea, and so the writers are then going to help flesh it out. I loved uh, Andy's reaction to it. You know, he's like, you guys, you left jokes laying out there yeah. dying on the floor. Uh, that interaction between Andy and those two characters, I think, is probably the highlight of this episode for me. I really like Mark McKinney. He, he fast becomes one of the my favorites. Just subtly, quietly, he's just cool. Yeah. I like him. Okay. What do we got from Brainy Smurf there? Brainy Smurf says this. Not into the ever-fledgling Matt and... Uh, oh, sorry. Now, he spelled it N-O-T. Okay. I'm assuming he meant W. Now into the ever-fledgling Matt and Harriet love story. Although the pill-pushing diva was quite a babe, despite her loopiness. Keep the camera where it was, Danny. <laughs> TV 6. Okay. Pete? You're not going to like this. I'm not. <laughs> I already don't. I'm afraid to even mention it. <laughs> I'm giving this a 9. Wow! I like the production, I like the acting, and I like the story. It's sad and depressing, and I hate that Matt makes those decisions. But still, everything worked. It was good. This episode makes no sense. The The descent itself is painful to watch. It's not enjoyable. That's it's not it's entertaining. Not everything is going to be enjoyable. I did not like watching this episode. I didn't like having to watch it again for this podcast. I'm giving it a two. Moving on to our next episode, 4 a.m. Miracle. Matt struggles with writer's block and a lawsuit, while Jordan and Danny are having a contest on who's a better parent. Uh, I like this episode. Did yeah, you this, like this, this episode? This one's okay. It's okay. Alright. Um, it's not getting a two. <laughs> <laughs> did you catch the West Wing reference in this no, episode? No, I didn't. Okay, the hot lawyer. What law firm was she from? I don't remember. Gage Whitney. Oh, okay. That's where Sam Seymour worked. Yes, it was. I didn't catch that. Good, good job, Pete. Yeah. I as I was, I didn't catch it until 
last night when I watched it, uh, I had never picked up on it before. I was apparently too enamored with her <laughs> to be able to uh, figure that out. She's a fine-looking woman. Who is that actress? I don't know. She was cute, though. Uh, the actress's name is Carrie Matchett. Uh, most recently, for me, seen as the wife, uh, the ex-wife in Leverage. Ah, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, she was pretty in that as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um... Yeah, anyway, uh, we liked her. Yeah. I, you know, I hate people who rely on the 4AM miracle. It drives me crazy. Yeah, but aren't you in a different industry than what Matt is? He's searching for creativity. And let's be honest, coding isn't specifically creativity. We're done. Hold on. <laughs> Are you kidding Hold me? Hold on. Yes, you have to come up with you know, ways to make this thing magically do all these things. But you have to structure it out. And generally, you understand, okay, here's how this thing works. Matt has to come up with this thing that doesn't even exist yet. This idea. I, I think the You're programming is just code. as... I, <laughs> I derailed you yet again. <laughs> you should have just seen his face, everyone. I'm just thinking, yeah, <laughs> it's like I kicked him right in the gut. <laughs> you basically just said I'm a code monkey. I don't actually bring anything creative to the to the job. Oh, did I? <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> I, I've been around. I've been around these people, you know, and I I can't say I've never found the 4AM Miracle. I've certainly had the, a similar situation myself several times, but relying on it is a little bit of a different thing. And Matt seems to be, like, living for it. He's he's putting everything off. That's because he, he's got nothing right now. He is so screwed yeah, up. Yeah, true. You're, you're right. He's taken himself to a place where he can't write anything out. I personally don't understand why they haven't gone back to the well... Of all of the other things that yes. they have been rejecting. For weeks and weeks and weeks. I just don't get that. Yeah. You can retool some of that stuff. It was clearly good enough to get to the board at one point. Just fix the things that were wrong. Yeah. But I'm not a creative person myself. <laughs> um, here's one thing that bugged me. Matt complains that he can't learn about the Masons. <laughs> They are one of the most widely known secret, secret societies. <laughs> There's nothing secretive about them anymore. Yeah. And I just, I, I find it foolish for Matt to sit there and throw his arms up in the air. Well, I can't do anything about the Masons because there's no way to learn about a secret society. Maybe his point is that there's no way to objectively learn because everything you're going to read is... He's made fun of so many things. Yeah, you're right. I, fair, I just fair. don't No, you're right. Out. You're right. Uh, it was a bad, bad uh, attempt to save. Uh, Harriet is kind of employed by two companies at the same time here. Uh-huh. You, ever, you ever been in that situation? Uh, no, not really. I remember shortly before I came to work for Internet Solutions, I was employed by two different companies at the same time, and I'd work a full eight-hour day at my day job, and then I'd go 
be a supervisor for telephone support technicians at an ISP for five or six hours. It just about killed me. It was it was a rough, rough period. It's got to be draining to do that. I would agree. Your body isn't meant to do that. It needs to sleep. That's why when you know I I, I remember in the early '90s in Living Color, the the sketch comedy show, used to do this running joke about the Jamaicans and how many jobs he's got forty five jobs. You know, <laughs> you remember that skit? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> or sketch, I should say. Uh, Anyways, uh, you know, I I look back on that now. I'm like, yeah, I get why that was so funny because like two jobs just about killed me. My my health declined. I probably put on a good eighty pounds of the weight I'm carrying today in that period. <laughs> oh man, you're so messed up. <laughs> okay, should Harriet fake things with Matt? No. You don't think so? For the no. sake of the show? For the sake of your business? No. So the business should just falter then? If it really is that dependent on that one guy, it needs to fail. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> You're writing it down. I feel like I'm being analyzed now. Just sit back. Okay. Stop getting Did I tell you about so my mother? Anxious. <laughs> No, it's your father I would like to discuss. Ah, that's a, that's a bottomless well, my friend. We can mine that for the rest of our lives. Okay, uh, practice babies. Good idea, bad idea? I think they're a good idea. I think so, too. Uh, Danny $500 seems... is a little bit much. Yeah, well, I think it was 600 actually. Okay, yeah. Uh, I... Uh... They I, had those things in high school. I like the flower sack model, personally. <laughs> I think you can tell a lot from a flower sack baby. Okay. <laughs> I, love, I love, by the way, as Danny explains to Tom and Simon how important it is that they care for this baby, walks out of the room, and immediately Tom is holding it upside down by one foot. <laughs> yeah, that's I find that hilarious. I don't think normal people do that, but... I think despicable people would then <laughs> screw around with the baby. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, let's see. I wrote, why is a lawyer getting in Matt's head? But that was answered later on. Uh, Simon slept with a girl uh, who is suing Studio 60. But not really. Actually, no. It was some other woman. How can you be that casual with your sex? You have to be having tons of it. To get that confused between a blonde and a redhead, don't you? Well, just the names. I mean, if you look at the names, they they had similar consonant sounds in them. And so I can see how someone who's getting as much sex as I assume the character of Simon is can get them confused. Wow. There's there's Joey standing up for the lecherous uh, cad. <laughs> well, having previously been one myself, I, I can't allow them to go denigrated. Um, okay, if there's one thing that we can take away from this episode, it's this. Never, ever stick your head inside of a guillotine. <laughs> ever. Even if the guy's saying, oh no, perfectly safe. It's a trick one. Not going to hurt you at all. <laughs> Don't ever do it. It is a bad idea. You know, I like those, uh, I, whenever I watch this, I always think of that. There's this company that makes a, a table saw 
that if it touches human flesh, it immediately shuts off the table saw. Have you seen this thing? No. So, like, as you're cutting the board, if your finger is in the wrong spot, what it, it's got a low-voltage electrical current running through the blade. It's got to lock the mechanism to do that. It, it would destroy the whole thing. It, it doesn't lock the mechanism. What it does is it the the... The blade is suspended uh-huh. on a rocker arm, and as soon as you close the circuit by coming in contact with human flesh, it immediately, within like a microsecond, drops Drop. the blade down. And the blade continues to spin underneath the table and shuts down safely, but it drops the blade down, and the guy shows you. He runs his finger over it. like you know. There has to be some sort of laser. It cannot just be the touch of flesh. It's just the touch of flesh. Uh, all right, you find this thing. Okay, all right. You, I, this is assignment Joey. <laughs> because I find that hard to believe. It's, I can it's believe, amazing. I can believe that maybe there's some sort of eye that's watching it, but just otherwise you, you would always have to be cutting something hard. No, something not electrically conductive. And wood doesn't conduct electricity? No, it doesn't. It insulates. Okay. Let's find it. Okay. We'll table it for now. Uh, you know, the, one of the themes of this episode, as you mentioned, is lawsuits. I, you know, I don't know how to I don't know how to bring this up, but the whole idea of lawsuits. You, you had better not be suing me. No, not suing you. Okay. Uh, I'm actually trying to say I don't understand how you could ever sue someone. The the example that comes to mind most recently is. My daughter's finger getting caught in the store. You know, what happened is the way they have this house laid out, windows open at either end of the house will blow a particular door shut with an incredible amount of force. I mean, it slams the door. Sure. And when we get back from the hospital, my in-laws are telling me, have you thought about suing the people who own this place? And I'm thinking, no, nor would I ever. Why would you? Why would that enter into your mind to sue somebody unless you know they were trying to screw you. I mean, I could see, like, if you know they were intentionally trying to cause you harm, you take them to court over it. Sure. Makes it, sense. It, if there's negligence, if there is um, intent, uh, or if there's breach of contract, then those are areas where you no longer have any sort of protection. And so your only recourse is a lawsuit at that point. Okay. To address I, I'm not some sure, sort I'm of not grievance. sure. I would never do it either. I'm not sure where you draw the line on the negligence thing. I can agree with you on breach of contract, and I can agree, agree with you on malicious intent. But the negligence thing is such a slippery slope to me that it would never even enter into my mind to stop and think, oh, it's, yeah, it's I should a, sue this person. It's a tough thing to prove. The best case I can come up with is... The tobacco industry, I get that that's a little more closer to intent, but it's also negligence. They knew it was killing people. They knew it was. And so they... Still is. Yes. <laughs> Hasn't stopped, as it turns out. And, and maybe that example is a little more geared, like I said, towards intent. Uh, but negligence in the hands of maybe some doctor who isn't paying attention and isn't giving his all... The lawsuit to address those areas. Is it this sure. episode where Simon and Tom are talking and Simon is saying uh, the shower cap fits one head? Yes. And he's like, you know, I, I just 
I feel like maybe we're doing the wrong thing. We're we're getting in the way of Darwinism here by protecting these people. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've I've read a lot of those silly yeah uh, warnings that are on there, and it's because somebody was an idiot. Yes, they were. But you and I tend to stand up for and accept the responsibility. The yeah, or the consequences for what happens, and. Unfortunately, in our society, there is this feeling of, well, I should be looked out for. You know, this wasn't my fault. Someone should have to pay. Mm -hmm. I'm entitled. And it's this entitlement that is frustrating to deal with. And I don't want to, I want to be clear. I'm not trying to belittle sexual harassment by any means. I think sexual sexual harassment is a terrible thing. I don't think anybody should walk away from this thinking that you're saying... Yeah, you know, sexual harassment's okay. Because I don't know anything about we we as an audience don't know anything about this particular instance. We don't. Uh, so you know, I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying the whole lawsuit mentality. That let's let's talk in our for society. a second, a little bit though. Isn't it inappropriate for the lawyer to be yes. hitting on Matt? Yes. I don't think that's appropriate. Maybe when the lawsuit's over, over. yeah, sure, have her come on round. But I think that's a little too. Promiscuous. Uh, Danny compares <laughs> Tom and Cal to Sacco and Vanzetti after they decapitate the baby. <laughs> uh, I had to go look him up because I didn't know who Sacco and Vanzetti was. Uh, apparently, they were these Italian anarchists who were found guilty of murder and bank robbery or payroll robbery. Uh, and there's still to this day a lot of debate about whether or not these guys were actually guilty of anything, or whether it was just, hey, they're anarchists, let's pin this crime on them. Hmm. Uh, it was kind of interesting. If you if you go look up Sacco and Vanzetti in Wikipedia, really long, well-researched article. I think it's probably one of the better Wikipedia articles I've read. Uh, fascinating story. I, I, really I remember them from my U.S. history class in high school. Okay. Because I remember the teacher pronouncing Sacco and Vanzetti. Like, I, I didn't remember anything else about them <laughs> other than the way he pronounced them. Okay, well, Harriet and Luke have some problems. Yeah. Uh, Matt finally admits he needs Harriet to write, and Harriet comes through and says, Oh, Matt, I'll make things better. So she's going to... Take one for the team. A little bit, yeah. They're not getting back together. Um, I have to say, the highlight of this episode for me is, how did the baby get in the guillotine? This is the part where I get points. He says, <laughs> "That was hilarious." He like he thinks he's gonna salvage this somehow. <laughs> Great what stuff. they did to the baby was pretty funny. I have to imagine Cal like behind the door, like looking through the window, waiting for the right time to make the baby do that to like hit a button. <laughs> a button. Because there's no way he could have timed it yeah. any better. So I, I doubt there was any timing mechanism. Anyway, I don't have anything else to say. Okay, how about uh, listener Brainy Smurf? Yes, he does have something to say. Didn't really pay much attention to this one. I am starting to see why this show got canceled. Oh, wow. TV question mark. Uh, So, dudes, I'm really enjoying the exposure to Studio 60, a show which I had never watched before. So, thank you. I don't know if he's being serious. <laughs> there may, may have been some sarcasm implied there. Maybe he should include the sarcasm tag. <laughs> Next time? Yes. Uh, anyway, thank you, Brainy, for uh, sending in uh, your email. It was great. Uh, 
Joey, what are you going to give this? I give this one a five. I thought it was fairly funny. It was okay. Middle of the road episode. I give it a six. I thought it was better than middle of the road. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of the Homestarmy Presents Trek West 5. We hope that you've learned something, had some laughs, and we always invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at thehomestarmy.com. Or you can tweet us at hashtag trekwest5 or call and leave us a voicemail at 801-788-4913. So until next time, I am Joey. And I am Peter. And thanks for listening.